The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. Gary Harding and John Panneries with you for the next 120 minutes. And on the first hour of our show tonight, we are going to be talking to a man by the name of Andy Welsh, who is part of an Islanders uh, fan group that uh, you'll be coming from a very quite interesting place. Uh, we will. We had a, a pre-taped interview with him earlier this morning. Uh, and he will join us. And on the second part of our number one, we also had a pre-taped interview uh, with Gil Martin, who does the Locked On Islanders podcast. And, uh, John, it's been a while. How you doing? Yeah, good. You got good. your coffee? Yeah, I finished, so I'm I'm awake now. You're awake now, yes. Uh, but it, it wasn't because of... No, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's good to have you. Uh, it's It's great that we are... You know, driving in that the sun is, I mean, not the sun, but at least it's still light out. It's, uh, the weather's getting warmer. Yeah, although it's today, spring. Well, yeah, not so much today. Yeah, not so much today. But, but, you know, yesterday was absolutely beautiful getting outside and enjoying the fresh air, which means baseball's coming and we're about 96 hours away from opening day for the Mets and Yankees, which is, which is a sign of things, you know, getting a little, you know, Maybe somewhat back to normal. Yeah, hopefully. You know, baseball starting on time. You got 20% of the fans being able to come in. So things are turning a corner. You know, people are getting vaccines. You know, we're able to go to Islander games and Ranger games and Devil games. And, you know, sports always seem to be the one outlet, of course. And we know this very well that, you know, you get away from reality, you get away from the things that are bugging you on a daily basis and and this has definitely you know definitely helped us get through this tough time i'm sure it did for you definitely so um so let's let's uh before we have uh our interview with andy um so uh last night (laughs) (coughs) a little blip on the radar (laughs) yeah it was a little 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 tough to swallow but you know you know unfortunately you know, the Islanders have had a tough time with Pittsburgh this year. This is the fifth time that Pittsburgh has won in seven meetings. They play their last of eight tomorrow night. So at least they're done with the Penguins. But, you know, it just seemed that no matter what the Islanders did, they got shots on net. They were they were challenging. But, um, you know, the first two shots that Pittsburgh took in the first period, both... Uh, yeah, uncharacteristic. And it's funny because... I was planning on coming on the show raving about, you know, how great uh, Ilyas has been. And not that it's, you know, uh, it's, like a blip. I said, it's a blip it's a on blip. the radar, but it just, it was kind of ironic that he's still that was got, one of the he's, things. He still has a 2.27 goals against, against average, average, which right. is very good. It's top 10 in the league. He's still got a 920-something save percentage, which is just under the top 10. But that's still that's still good. He's 8-4. Eight, he's eight and four. You know, right. so it, there's nothing wrong with his record. You know, you look at the stats over the whole year, it's still impressive. Right. But before we go to the interview, I've got to do my ranch on. Uh-oh. And I told you about this in the car. Um, I didn't tell you what it was going to be, but I will say this. And this is no disrespect to my friends that, that wear red, white, and blue and follow a team that's on 33rd Street and 8th Avenue. Has nothing to do with the team. Has something to do with a play that happened with their team on on uh, Thursday night 
when the when the Flyers played the Rangers, and a Flyer rookie by the name of Samuel Moran um, did apparently a hair pull and a a smash to the ice of I believe it was Brendan Lemieux who unfortunately subsequently got traded 48 hours later to L.A. and I don't think it was that reason, but um, he basically had almost a, a pretty much a dirty play, and it turned out that. You know, you didn't get penalized for it. And uh, Mr. Stephen Valaket, former New York Islander, who does the, um, who basically does Shannon Hogan's job for the Rangers. Okay, they can't hire a, a you know a well-versed, educated, nice-looking woman to do the broadcast. They got to hire Steve Valaket. So that shows you. But Stephen Valaket basically took the guy's last name, which is Moran, M-O-R-I-N, French Canadian. And pronounced it moron. Not once, but twice. And after he said it the first time, I think it was Bill Pito, whoever was doing the pregame with him, basically kind of said, Steve, don't. And he did it again. Okay? I'm sorry. Butch Goring would never pull that. He would, he'd be critical of a person, but he wouldn't subject himself to that. That's. I have never heard that done. And I am sorry, Ranger fans, if you feel offended by this. But and he very well, Moran should have been penalized. Probably could have got a, a, a suspension or a fine for what he did. I'm not disputing the play. I'm disputing the quote-unquote professional analyst that described it. Deliberately mispronounced his name. People in other TV shows and other things have gotten fired for less. And to me, that's a complete and utter disgrace to the profession. It's a complete and utter disgrace to the National Hockey League and a complete and utter disgrace to the Philadelphia Flyers organization. And Stephen Valaket should not only apologize for that little incident, but he should be suspended from the air. And we're going to take callers at 930. So Ranger fans, if my friends, if you're on the air and you're listening, you're more than welcome to call in and dispute this with me. But to me, that was utter disrespect and an utter disgrace of the job that you're supposed to do. Describe the situation. If you're upset with the situation, say it. But don't don't take a person's name and denigrate it because of the similarity to the act that he did. Right. Now, it was a partial despicable act. I don't disagree. He should have got penalized heavily. Maybe a possible suspension. Yes, I agree. No doubt about it. Stephen was right. Steve Valaket was right with what, with the manner of what he did, but the object of how he did it is utter disgrace. Right, utter disgrace. So, but I thought it was very fitting that that same man, who Stephen Valaket called, and I won't say the name again, scored the game-winning goal last night yesterday against the Rangers. So I thought, without even knowing it, he gave Stephen Valaket a little, you know, <laughs> got you right. You know, which is, you know, poetic payback. But, um, you know, a few of my um, my Flyer friends, my friend Alan, who uh, does the previews with us, has done them in the past couple of years. Yes. You know, was talking about it. And I, I kind of mentioned it to him that he said that. And, um, you know, he said, you know, the, the play was bad. He self-admitted it. But, you know, you know, there's no, there's no place for that no, in sports. No, it's childish. Could you see our friend A.J. Malesko doing that? No. Did you see Shannon Hogan doing no, that? Absolutely not. I can't see anybody doing that. 
So, you know, any bit of respect I had for Mr. Valaket is completely and utterly gone. And if he ever hears about this and would like to talk about it on the air, I'll be glad to discuss it with him. But, I mean, that was utter disgrace. Unprofessional. Utter disgrace. So, anyway, so we are going to uh, take a step back and uh, have our little interview here with a gentleman by the name of Andy Welsh. Um, As I mentioned in the beginning of the pre-recorded interview, you'll hear he does not have uh, an accent that is similar to the ones that John and I and Brian over the other side of glass and other of us claim to have in this area. So, um, but again, he is, he is a, a very important part of being an Islanders fan. And, uh, I hope you enjoy this, uh, this segment with Andy Welsh. And we're back on Sports Talk 1240 on this Sunday, March 28th, 2021. Uh, my guest, uh, for this portion of the show is a gentleman by the name of Andy Welsh. And when you, when you actually hear his voice, you're going to realize he does not contain a New York accent. So, Andy, good evening and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, we're doing all right, Andy. Uh, so, um, I, as I preface this in the uh, in the prelude to the show, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to the Long Island area? Uh, so, I'm Andy, and I'm from England, um, in Portsmouth, England, Portsmouth, Portsmouth. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's in the south of England, um, I would say about an hour or so away from London. Um, and uh, yeah, my connection is that I have started a, a UK Islanders group and um, we all stay up ridiculous times watching them. So uh, obviously um, there is hockey and people don't realize that there is hockey in the UK. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, I guess, your connection to the UK game first before we get into the Islanders? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, there, there's, uh, there's different leagues in, um, the UK. Um, I follow a, a team called Guildford Flames, um, who are, uh, in the Elite League and they're my sort of closest, um, team. Um, but yeah, there, there's a sort of decent, uh, level of hockey, shall we say, over here. And, uh, what you find is a lot of, um, ex NHLers do come over, um, sort of later on in their career. Um, and then I think that's where a lot of the people get their sort of ties to um, teams over in the NHL is um, the players that have joined the clubs over here. Um, again, I've been, and people know that have listened to this show, I've been to Sheffield uh, a dozen times and seen all sorts of games, and I will attest to the fact that the UK product is a very good product. It's similar to, I would say, the second tier of European countries, such as Austria, and that it's not, obviously, it's not as good as the Germanys and Swedens and Finlands, but it is a good product. Um, tell us about the, again, the one thing that got me when I went over there is the level of passion of the UK fan. And for those who've ever watched, um, obviously, the Premiership on NBCSN, they know how crazy and loud and and boisterous the U- the UK football fans are. Um, is it is it also similar to um, to hockey fans in the UK as well? Yeah, I would say um, that, that there's a there's a, a very passionate following for each team. Um, the the one of the things is like the the atmosphere when you go into the, the arenas. Um, it is different to each each team really uh, over here. So the fans are really passionate. Um, there's, you know, 
chants, the singing. Um, they do try and sort of recreate what they do in the uh, NHL in terms of like the um, sort of intermissions and, and uh, during the breaks and how they um, sort of create that atmosphere within the within the fans. But um, what you what the what differs, I would say, from um, football in the Premiership fans to to the hockey fans is it's still um, there's a lot of great banter between everyone, but you will still mix. Um, whereas in the Premiership you don't, or in the in the football league, should I say, you you don't. So there's there's a passion, but then there's a respect for the other fans as well. So you you get a real um, I don't know, a real experience and, and great banter between all of the teams without that sort of um, edge which you might get at a football game. Yeah, I think the funniest thing was the first time I went over to Sheffield, and this was 2001. Um, somebody came up to me and said, "You know, you know, uh, when you when you watch a watch a football match and you watch a hockey match, they they promote hockey as the family game, and that just took me by surprise. But when I went to my first game, and of course it was a Sheffield Nottingham game, which is which you know is the big, probably one of the biggest rivalries over there, and um, it was it, like I said, it was so much fun, and I will say." I got to draw. I got to drop the opening face-off at the game, um, the first game I went to, and I could not hear myself. I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear anything because the the place was so loud. A nine thousand seat building that was louder than you know arenas in Philadelphia and Montreal and the Coliseum. That's how crazy this game is, and I was so impressed. So, so pushing on to um, to the Islanders, what got you? What got you into rooting for them? Um, so that, that basically came from um, my, uh, my partner and I. We, we were looking to go to New York, and what I wanted to do was um, catch a game out there. I'd always wanted to, to, to catch a live game, and um, I thought, right, let's start looking. And um, I, I found the teams that were over there, which was uh, obviously... Uh, the Islanders, the Rangers, and then New Jersey, and uh, we we just basically sort of thought, right, I'll take a take a punt, and uh, I liked what I saw from the Islanders in terms of their history and things, and um, I, I went with them, and then a couple of years later, we went to New York, um, caught my first game, and then that was it. It was uh, I, I was completely hooked, and um, it took over my life. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that first game at the Barclays Center, or was it at the Coliseum? Yeah, so it was at the Barclays. Um, unfortunately, I've not been to the Coliseum, so uh, we were due to go over, um, as in now or last uh, February, just gone. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, um, we couldn't. So we were going to come over and try and catch sort of four or five games at the Coliseum, um, and then life happens. So um, yeah. I've only seen us at the Barclays. I have seen us at Madison Square Gardens and at um, Tampa as well. So I, I've seen us at a few places. Um, and yeah, I am gutted I've not made it to the Coliseum. But yeah, it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate that you didn't get to see see it there because it's like I said, it's a unique experience that um, no other arena seems to have. And and like I, I'm sure that you're going to try to make plans to go to UBS next year. I can tell you, I actually took a tour last week, and uh, you're going to be blown away when you go when you go to the new oh, arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got this. Is the thing? Yeah, the money's sitting in the account, ready to um, pay for our flights and everything. So <laughs> as soon as um, as soon as we're able to come over, we will be there. Um, I mean, yeah, I saw some of your photos from the uh, 
your, your tour last week and it, it looks it, it just looks incredible i can't wait to step in there so let's um let's let's switch gears and go to the uh the facebook group i mean you know as you said you you've got you you selected the islanders as your team and you you started following them um how easy was it to start this group and and tell us about you know the uh the level of fandom that's now existing in this and i can attest to the fact that there's there's a lot of crazy passionate people over your neck of the woods that love uh that love our new york islanders so why don't you tell us a little about the facebook group yeah there really is so um i decided about uh 2017 i think it was that um I was I was on a, an NHL UK fans uh, group, um, and all they wanted to do was talk about their own teams, which is fine. Um, but all it was was someone would say, "Oh, the Canadians are the best," and the next person would say, um, "You know, Philly are the best." And I, I noticed that there was a couple of Islander fans in there. Um, one one's name was uh, Phil, and the other name was Drew. And I sort of reached out to them and messaged them. I said, "Look, I'm fed up of talking about the NHL to." <laughs> people i want to talk about the islanders to, to islander fans that are over here as well and you know catch a game with you and all so they said yeah great idea and it basically started from that so for a a, a while um, and then from there i sort of put out into different groups and sort of said uh, you know we've, we've got this islanders group come along and people sort of came in and um eventually the, the numbers started to pick up um, obviously, like uh, things started to sort of word of mouth and whatnot came came about, and then in I think it was 2019, uh, I went onto Twitter as well, and then from Twitter is where um, a lot more UK fans um, were obviously on there, and then have come over to the Facebook group, and now we're looking at um, you know there's 300 and something people in the That's... Facebook group. I've got. Nearly 700 followers, I think, on Twitter, um, and it, it has become a group which is um, just a, 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 basically a bunch of mates that are just now talking about uh, Islanders hockey, and we can all moan that we're tired the next morning, and uh, <laughs> it's it's good fun, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, the unfortunate part is, you know, as, as we said before, we uh, came on the air. 3.30 in the morning, you know, you're up and uh, you have to deal with a loss. And I'm sure nights like last night, um, I'm sure it was pretty tough to to get some shut-eye, you know, when you're seeing, you know, Pittsburgh score five unanswered goals on uh, on Sorokin and Varlamov. I'm sure it wasn't a tough night. It was a tough night for you. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's one of those ones you're watching and you're thinking, um is it worth it? <laughs> and then uh, you know that full well that the next game, you know, it, this is one of the things that I love about hockey is that um, you could play a team three nights in a row um, and you would win 5-0, you'd lose 5-0 and then you would have one that would go to shootout and it's it's completely um, a case. So, you, yeah, it's annoying watching it, but it, it's that's hockey and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why we all love it, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. It was frustrating, but you know, brush ourselves off, and we'll go again tomorrow, won't we? Exactly. So, um, so let's say, who is your who is your favorite right now? Favorite player? Yeah. Um, see, I always find this one a really difficult one to say. Uh, <laughs> if um, if I had to choose one, I would say Barzell. Matt Barzell is is. It has been my favorite for a few years, but um, other like I, I love uh, Sezikes, um, mm-hmm. Adam Pellick. Uh, I think like real sort of gritty 
um, players, you know, Cal Clusterbuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it really hard to sort of pin on one player. Um, I agree. You know, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it would be Bowser, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, so describe a typical, okay, weekday night, seven o'clock start here in the states. So it's starting at midnight. What? Obviously, you come home from work or doing what you're doing, and you got to prepare. So, what is the typical night preparation for a midnight start to watch an Islander game? Right, yeah, so, um, the thing, yeah, it's changing at the moment, so, uh, it, this season in particular is hard, because usually in the season you, you may get a back-to-back game, but then you've got, you know, three or four nights where you can catch up on sleep and stuff as well. Um, Not this year. <laughs> no, no, this is relentless, but, um, I, I've stopped, <laughs> I used to have like a, a pre-game nap, um, maybe go to bed at like 10, get a couple of hours in, wake up, um, but then I found that that was too difficult. So now I just try and see it out. So I come in from work, uh, yeah, plod around, probably put something on telly to try and stay awake, um, <laughs> and then get uh, the, the sort of pre-match um, build-up and stuff and get that on as early as possible. But um, it, it's just making sure, you know, that I put my posts onto Facebook and then making sure that um, everyone else knows that we've got a game thread and we, we all sort of like chip in on that. And that sort of keeps us awake as well because... I don't know whether it's the same over yours. When I'm watching like NHL TV and it comes up and it says uh, commercial break in progress and it's just dead silent. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah well, we have adverts, right. Yeah, that is the killer I find for me because you get to, a, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning and uh, it's the, the sort of 20 minutes in between and it just goes silent. And you're, that's when the eyes start to drop. But um, I, f- I flick onto Facebook, I try and, uh, you know, interact with everyone and then we start to stay awake. <laughs> So you, so on NHL.TV, you don't get the, uh, the pre, uh, the intermissions like fees with Shannon or anything like that? So it's just, you get dead silence for 18 minutes? No, well, it sort of flicks in and out, um, but it will go, yeah, it will go silent for probably, which I presume is when it goes into your adverts, and then mm-hmm. it will flick onto Shannon and say, oh, okay, talking, okay. Uh, for a few minutes, but it's, yeah, it's those deadly silent four or five <laughs> minute patches where, um, yeah, you, your, your eyes are sort of blinking a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess I guess the the best part is when we have those games that start at one o'clock here. So it's like a, it's almost a normal evening. You can actually have dinner with your wife and you know watch yeah. the game at a decent time and get a good night's sleep. Do you know the uh, those those games the the uh, especially like the Saturday matinee ones are, are fantastic for us because yeah they start at um, yeah five six o'clock in the evening and then it's, it's just perfect time for us but I, I hear a lot of um, grumblings from over your your end uh, oh it's an early one and we don't like it sort of thing <laughs> yeah so, well know, we take yeah <laughs> generally the Islanders don't play well in, in matinee games so no, yeah no. that's that's exactly why so listen we're going to end this up but um but Andy how can uh, people uh, reach out to you you know give us a, give us a plug you know your Twitter feeds and all that other stuff yeah so um, we're on Facebook uh, which is N- uh, New York Islanders UK supporters branch um, we've also got a discussion group on there, which is um, the same that uh, the New York Islanders UK um, discussion group. Um, and then on Twitter as well, we're uh, NYI um, UK 
I think it's NYR UK fans. Um, UK fans, just, right. Yeah, just search us up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I try and interact with as many people as possible. Um, I told you earlier, I've, I've just moved house, so things are, uh, I'm, I'm not as quick as replying at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I will be back on it as soon as I finish my renovations. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Well, listen, Andy, we really appreciate the, uh, the few minutes on WGBB Sports Talk again. Have a great evening and, uh, like I said, get some rest before Monday night's match. Yeah, thank you, Guy. I really appreciate it. And, uh, let's go, Islanders. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks very much. So again, that was Andy Welsh from Portsmouth, England. Um, he is an unbelievable fan. Uh, I actually am part of the 300 people in his UK group and I try to keep up with them when they're talking during game time and I can't. They are amazing. They know their, they know their stuff. I, and I said it to him off air. Um, some of the UK fans and you've, you've talked to David. We've had David yeah. from Sheffield on the show yep. before. They, they, I, I'm telling you, they know more than a lot of our fans do. Yeah. No. And they're, and they're incredibly, once they, they get the history and they dig in, you know, they're dug in deeper than we are. You know, that's, it, it, they're, they're amazing. Unfortunately, I missed seeing Andy, uh, when he came last year. Um, I tried to get over to his section, but by the time I got there, he was gone. It was in Barclays, um, as he said. So, um, you know, he, he, I already told him, I said, I owe him a, uh, a couple of beverages at UBS when he comes next year, and I guarantee he will be here. And there's, there's the, the one thing I know, um, I, I've probably talked to probably about 10 people from his group that I've actually seen at Barclays over the last couple of years. So, you know, the, so the, they do come. The UK fans, yeah, they, they really, when they, when they get involved here, they, they come every year. You know, it's like it's it's an annual sojourn. That's for, awesome. Yeah, they make their plans immediately and get involved. And like I said, that's how I got two of my best friends for life is because I accidentally, you know, they sent an email to me and I said, yeah, come visit here. Here's what you do. And 20 years later, we're still talking to them and like, uh, you know, they're a part of our lives. And, you know, all through a game of hockey that you would never think would come from the UK. That's right. You know, so. You know, it was quite it's quite an interesting uh interview and like I said, check him out uh NYI NYI UK fans on Twitter and like I said he's the the Facebook page is great. So if you are an Islander fan, subscribe to him. They're more than you know, it may say UK, but believe me, they love the support the support of us as well as we love of them, so so definitely get involved. Um so uh, we are going to take a break in a, in a couple of minutes here, and when we do, um, we are going to have Gil Martin from the New York, uh, the Locked on Islanders podcast, talking about the state of the team, what's happening. Again, it was another pre-recorded interview that John and I uh, had to do because uh, our friend uh, is of the Jewish faith, and of course, this is the second night of Passover. So, for those that uh, are seriously celebrating the. Passover holiday. I know. I never knew this. I I should have, but I didn't. I know seder's are the first two nights, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what a Passover. So yeah, the first two nights are are the most important. So he was unable to make it tonight on the show. So uh, we asked if we could do a pre pre interview, which was he was of course very generous and uh, appreciative to do it. Um, to let you know what's going on at nine o'clock, we are going to have Tim Boyle, who is a columnist for the Rising Apple. Um, Mets, uh, Mets group. Um, we're going to talk about a Mets preview. He's been on our show before and he's a great guest and, uh, we asked him to come back on 
to talk Mets and uh, talk maybe about a, about a little dinner that happened last night yeah, down in Florida. Yeah. It might be some big news. So we shall see what happens. And, again, at 930, we're going to take your calls. The number you can reach us at the station is 516-623-1240. We will take calls until after 930. Okay, so if you were just calling the station now, give us a call back in an hour. We'll definitely talk to you. Gary and John here on WGBB Sports Talk New York, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. This is WGBB AM 12. Okay. And we're back on WGBB Sports Talk. Gary and John here with you. Uh, before we get into the ne- next portion of our show, just remember we, you can uh, reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, and if you don't already, and we think you should, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, Again, Gary and John back here with you on this Sunday evening. Uh, March the 28th. Yeah, March uh, the 28th. The trade deadline in the NHL is about 13, no, 15 days away. I think it's April 12th. So it's getting there. Um, uh, I know there's been one, I wouldn't say major trade, but there's been one trade already where Buffalo sent uh, Eric Stahl to the Montreal Canadiens uh, for a couple of picks. And, you know, John's wearing his... Buffalo Sabres uh, long sleeve shirt on here, and he's got family up in the Western New York area, and and I feel really bad for yeah. people up there. I've got a, a lot of friends up there, and what I will definitely say is, is Buffalo fans are are some of the most passionate around, and that's whether they're following their Bills, uh, their Bisons in baseball, or they're following the, the the Sabres. They they know their sports up there. And they're they're crazed fans, and, and, they, and don't deserve, they don't deserve to have what's going on. Um, it's a complete cluster, you know what? And you know the streak has now reached 17 games without a win. Um, That's just terrible. Yeah, and, and, and they're finding ways, no matter what, you know, to lose. You know, and you know they go and trade a, a, their third string goaltender to Colorado, I think. Yes, and the next day. Their number two goaltender goes down with an injury. You know, they, they fire their coach, they get an interim coach, and a week later, he's got COVID, and the GM has to go and coach the team. It's like, what else can happen? You know, you think Sabercat might be available? Sabertooth might be available for a shift or two here or there? It might come down to that. It, it's, it's very possible. I mean, you know, as any, you know, poor Jack Eichel, you know, he goes to a situation where he thinks he's going on a, a team that's on the rise, you know, number two pick. And you know what's going on in his mind right now because he is he has got it he is still to me 
you know, pound for pound, inch for inch, one of the most talented players in the league. And he's only scratching the surface at 23. But, you know, how much of his growth can be, you think, is stunted? You know, playing on a team like like Buffalo right now. Now, is he back from injury or no? He's he's still. I think he's day to day. I think he's due to come back. But but still, I mean, you know, you look at the season he had. You know, he's only had two goals. Yeah. You know, it, you know, you think that all that talent is getting wasted and stunted. You know, on that. You know, you 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 think about. You know, the star players in the league. You know, it was we were talking off air. Austin Matthews and. Connor McDavid and some of those guys, you know, could you imagine, you know, if those guys were on teams that were struggling as mightily as Buffalo is yeah. and and what their numbers could be? I mean, it's just, it's insane. I mean, we were talking, you know, stats, and we talked about Matt Barzell, how he's leading the Islanders with 27 points. And uh, the same amount of games, Connor McDavid has 62 points for the Edmonton Oilers. It's that's, just, it's astounding. scary. He is, well, I mean, there was a goal last night with him and Dreisaitl, and basically McDavid at full speed going through three or four guys and and somehow able to gyrate this pass across the crease right in front of Dreisaitl's stick as he's one-timing it past, um, I think it was, I can't remember the, the goaltender's name in Toronto. It's the, it's the backup. Uh, Campbell, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Campbell couldn't even, he didn't even flinch. I mean, that's just, the talent level is amazing, you know, on there. And, and the chemistry um, with those two guys. Yeah. Like you said, you got to feel bad for, you know, guys like Jack Eichel and, and Jeff Skinner, who's making $9 million a year and finally just got a couple of goals, and he's playing on a fourth line. I mean, you know, it's it's just complete chaos there. So you wonder, you know, as the trade deadline's going to hit in a couple of weeks, you know, what they're gonna what they're going to do and what they're, you know, Who's going to be gone and who's going to be around and, you know, you know what they're going to want. You know, what are you going to want for a Jack Eichel? What are you going to want for a Taylor Hall, who's another completely under underappreciative, not underappreciative, but underperforming player? You know, it's it's a sad situation in Buffalo, that's for sure. So uh, we're going to go and... Uh, have our second pre-recorded interview again gil martin for those you don't know is the uh, author of the islanders locked on islanders podcast that he does monday through friday um again another great show to get some islander information he also wrote a book called ice wars the collective history of the new york Islander new york ranger rivalry which i think was published in 2017 2018 i think and at the time it had a recap of every single Islander Ranger game from 1972 to that time. Right. And had great tidbits of information regarding the game, inside stories, interviews with players. You know, it may be a couple years out of date, but it is definitely, if, if you are a, a reader of hockey books, it's definitely one worth, worth uh, checking out. So um, here is uh, the interview that John and I had this afternoon with Gil Martin. Hope you enjoy it. Back here on Sports Talk 1240 on this Sunday, March 28, 2021. Gary Harding and John Panarese with you. And our guest, a frequent contributor to WGBB Sports Talk New York, Gil Martin. Uh, of course, the uh, the author of Ice Wars, the Islanders versus Ranger rivalry. Gil, uh, Gary and John here. Welcome to the show as normal. And uh, I will say happy, happy uh, Passover to you and your family. Well, thank you very much on uh, both counts. Good to be here. Yes, it is. Um, 
as we know, last night, uh, a pretty difficult, uh, game for the Islanders. It seems like Pittsburgh and Washington are the, are the two that have the Islanders number. Um, Ilya Sorokin, of course, has had such a great start, had eight straight wins and came into the buzzsaw known as the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Yeah, had a rough game, but look, you know, the kid's not going to be perfect all the time. You expect a certain amount of inconsistency from a goalie who's adjusting to the NHL. He, what did he win? Eight straight games before that. So rough outing, but it's going to happen once in a while. Yep, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, think just taking, you know, keeping that, uh, loss in the, in the, uh, you know, in the coffers, you know, and a, a very impressive record in March. You know, win streaks in between a couple of difficult losses. You have to say, look, you know, looking at almost the month complete, month of March completed, the Islanders had a very strong month and are still among the top five in the NHL at this point in time. Yeah, they're looking really good, and and I just love the way this team never quits. They are very resilient. They bounce back. They stick within their system, and it's like they know what they need to do, and then they go out and do it. What's been your biggest uh, surprise so far from this team? Any anybody in particular that's a good surprise or a bad surprise? Uh, I think you know what. Quietly, one of the more pleasant surprises has been Nick Levy. I mean, he is just setting up so many people. He is leading the team in assists, second on the team in scoring, and doesn't get a lot of attention or publicity for what he does. But Nick Levy has quietly been very effective as an offensive defenseman for the Islanders this year. Yeah, I know. When you look at, again, I, I and somebody mentioned, I think Brendan mentioned on the broadcast, it seems like lately in the last 68 games, it seems like he's got a, you know, he's always been known as a very strong skater, very, uh, very long strided and very quick, but it seems like it's picked up another gear. But just, just continuing on the defensive side, Despite the fact that he has not scored a goal this year, I think Ryan Ryan Pulak has absolutely had a fabulous year. I mean, the the the, the tandem with him and Adam Pellick has, has been good, you know, in the bubble last season. has been very good this season. But I think his overall play has been absolutely stellar. And the one, you know, his one main reason of his uh, being drafted in the first round and being a potential uh you know, top 10 defenseman in the league is known for his 105 mile an hour booming slap shot, which unfortunately has not been able to put a biscuit in the net. But overall, I think his play has been absolutely tremendous. He has been great. And, you know, the, the thing about uh, Pulak and Pellick, you look at the box score, you look at the statistics, and nothing really jumps out of you. But if you watch them game in and game out, they are so effective. I don't think the Islanders could play their style, which is a defense-first style, as effectively without that top defense duo doing what they do so well. And they really do a great job of limiting the opposition's chances, of getting uh, quality scoring chances. And they line them up against the top line of the opposition, and they really get the job done. Now... I've read some uh, in a couple of places, and I didn't get a chance to go through the whole article, but there's been some criticism where, you know, Pelican and Pulak have been playing really well, but it seems like uh, Scott Mayfield is starting to become the whipping boy for the defense that 
Josh Bailey and Leo Komarov have become from the for the offense. Do you think that Mayfield has been playing badly, or is it just people just being oversensitive as Islander fans can be? No. I, <laughs> yeah, that's just a rumor. Uh, I think Mayfield has had a few games where the turnovers have been plentiful, and that sort of hurt uh, his stock in the eyes of a lot of fans. You know, when Scotty Mayfield makes a mistake, it's usually a glaring mistake. But overall, I think he's played well enough in his role as a second-pairing defenseman to get the job done. You'd like to see some of those glaring mistakes eliminated or limited, but overall I think he's a solid second-pair defenseman. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, and, and I think what's what's helped the Islanders out too is, you know, with obviously with Dobson being out with uh, the COVID protocol, they've been able to, you know, bring guys up that have been on the taxi squad. You know, uh, Spashanaho had a couple of good games and had one clunker. They took him out. You insert Thomas Hickey, which, of course, has been one of the great stories this year for the team. You know, the fact that he had such a horrible last year between the concussion issues, his being in Bridgeport, and unfortunately losing his brother to brain cancer. It's been a great story to see him come back. And not only does he come back, to the lineup after 700 days not in it, but gets two assists, two primary assists in his first game back, which was one of the greatest stories. And just looking at looking at his face in the press conference afterwards, you, you just couldn't you couldn't help but feel happy for him and, and and know that you know it's it was such a long road to get back. And and truthfully, you wonder, you know, what's going to be the situation over the next say. 10 to 12 days if when if and when um, Noah comes back to full form, you know, what does uh, the makeup, did, you know, go with this defense? Does Mayfield get a game off? Does, you know, how will they shuffle him around? It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, little scenario for Coach Trotz and his uh, rest of his staff to deal with. Yeah, but that's a good problem. I mean, if you think yes. about it, having more options, you know, before – Dobson went on the COVID list. A lot of people were being critical in the media. Oh, the Islanders, they've had the same six defensemen in every game this year. And if any of them go down, they're in trouble. Well, you know, Ajo, as you mentioned, had a couple of good games before the one really bad one. And then Tiki came up and, and did his thing. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, uh, and it's kind of ironic, if Anders Lee doesn't go on long-term IR, I don't know if they even bring Hickey up because of the cap constraints. So, uh, but, but now at least you have options. And at the very least, even if, you know, you just reinsert Dobson into the lineup when he's ready to go again, um, you've had a chance to showcase both Ajo and Hickey if you want to potentially use them in trades going forward. Now, Let's turn to the to the offense, though. You, you know, we just kind of mentioned Lee's injury and being on long-term IR. How do you think this impacts the top line? I mean, a lot of, of course, you know, again, just not not to take a, you know, Islander fans are going to be complaining about everything, but you know, who who is going to take that spot on the top line? Because Barzell's numbers have certainly not, you know, have been hurt by not having Lee on that line. No question, and the answer in my mind is that that player is probably not on the roster yet. 
I think that Lou Lamorello will look to add a top six forward at the trade deadline, and that's the player who will take over probably on that top line. I have heard, you know, some people out there saying, oh yeah, Oliver Wallstrom would be really good in that spot, and, and on a certain level maybe, but I don't know if he's ready for prime time yet to be playing 18, 19, 20 minutes a game on that top line. Uh, maybe he is, and, and maybe he deserves an opportunity to see if he can do it. But I will say this, Leo Kamarov is not the answer on that top line. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, but going, just continuing on to what you said about Wallstrom, in my honest opinion, I mean, what has been, as an Islander fan, we're watching this team for all these years, what has been the big issue for this organization is you haven't had balanced scoring up and down your lineup. Yes, you know, the top line has suffered a little bit, got a little bit of a, a cushion last night with a couple of points from Barzell, a couple of points from Eberle. You know, they seemed to work well yesterday, you know, in the third period against Pittsburgh. But right now, you've got four lines that are contributing. And, and just like you said, I think Wallstrom has been a fantastic, brilliant story. The kid's got it, got his head squared on right. And that was the one big if that we were saying in the beginning of the year, would, you know, would Wallstrom or Bello step up and would they have the wherewithal to, to keep their wits about him and, and be that player that they hope to be. And, and while he's picked it up, you know, I, I think, I think moving him away from, from JG and Bo right now would be a major mistake. Yeah, I think they just, they're, especially they're, JG. Yeah, their their chemistry right now is absolutely brilliant, and I'll tell you that 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 shot is lethal that Wally has. His yeah. hands are his hands are almost Ovechkin like quick, and you know um, just just the thoughts about that. I mean, you know that to me that line has been the key in the last six or seven games for this Islander organization. Yeah, I'd have to agree. The chemistry on that third line right now is superb. And it really, the other thing is, I think Wallstrom and Pajot in particular bring out the best in each other. They make each other more effective with the way they play their games. And I, I will also say this, you can't underestimate the value of a J.G. Pajot to this hockey team. I mean plays solidly on the third line, can move up to the top six if you need him. He'll check and slow down the opposition's top offensive players, kills penalties. He's out there on the second power play unit. He has been a great addition, and he's proving that what he did last year, which was a career year in goals for him, that that was no fluke. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it, and it's... It's nice to see the Olu move, you know, get, you know, the, uh, recognition it deserves. And you're, and you're hoping, obviously, in the case of, uh, you know, him making a move as the deadline goes, um, you know, what, what, what do you think are the top three guys? I mean, I'll tell you mine. I mean, although he's not getting the recognition he should get, I really, I think would be a perfect fit for, for Barzal and Eberly right now if, if he's a if he's available and if um, Columbus starts to die down, would be to go for Foligno because he's up for, you know, he's a free agent at the end of the year. It's a good rental, and again, it fits the mold of an Anders Lee. Maybe not scoring the goals, but that big size in front of the net, which allows 
the wingers to get a little more uh, a little more freedom. What do you, what's your what's your thoughts on that? And what what other players do you see might be uh, possible uh, projects for Lou to uh, look at come trade deadline? So I like the idea of Felino, and I think yes, adding someone with size would be definitely beneficial. It's going to be a rental player, uh, and I think you know the whole idea of size and, and sort of uh, trying to play that Anders Lee role is why they were willing to try Kamarov in that role because he you know can play that style, but he really isn't suited to it offensively. He's more of a defensive-minded uh, forward. And I don't think he fits. Uh, I mean, I've heard Taylor Hall rumors, but to me, it's got to be a rental player. It's got to be a guy who can score, uh, you know, between 20 and 30 goals a season if you're talking about a full 82-game season. And because of the cap situation, the contract almost certainly cannot carry over till after this year unless there's some major changes made during the offseason. Right, John? How about, um, I keep hearing Kyle Palmieri as, as an option as well, if Jersey's willing to, you know, to, to trade him. I, I could see Palmieri fitting, and you, you, you know Lou has a, a prior relationship with him as well. So, yeah, I could see that as, as a definite possibility, and you wouldn't have any issues with quarantine because he's within the division. Uh, he's a veteran, steady kind of a player, experienced. He's got good leadership qualities. I think that would be a very good fit if, again, the Devils are willing to uh, part with him and trade within the division, which is always a little tricky. Now, just looking in your crystal ball now, we, um, after Monday night's game with the Penguins, and thank God they'll be finished with them after tomorrow night, um, six straight games at home coming up. Um, you know, the, we all know the Islanders record of, I believe it's 12, 1 and 2, um, on home ice has been the key to their success. Um, you know, the first game that they play at home on Thursday night is again, the huge litmus test. The Washington Capitals, the team they're battling for, uh, for first place in the Eastern Division. Um, your thoughts on what needs to be done there? Because we know that the Islanders have really not done well against Washington this year, and I believe they've got like three or four games left against the Caps, or four games left against the Caps coming up in the month of April. So uh, your thoughts on what uh, what Barry and the team need to do to re- uh, reverse the trend? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be vital to, if they want to finish in first place, they've got to win at least, I'd say, two of those four remaining games with the Capitals. And, and let's face it, unless you get lucky and another team knocks them off, you're not getting out of the division in the playoffs if you can't find a way to beat the Washington Capitals. So, uh, I mean, realistically, it seems like with Washington, they get intimidated by some of the more physical forwards that the Capitals have, whether it's Wilson or Oshie. And, and it seems like the Islanders aren't as able to play their style. And those physical forwards open things up for guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and they end up with way too much room to maneuver. So I think that the Islanders almost have to, uh, you know, I would almost insert, if I'm playing the Capitals, maybe you find room for Ross Johnston in a game or two and see if that helps a little bit balance things out with some of the more physical forwards that Washington puts on the ice. John, last question? Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. 
And you know, the other thing that I've heard speculated, or and and I'm not I'm not really a uh, a fan or an advocate of this, but if there was a you know a, a good a decent defenseman available, would you go and grab a defenseman to bolster you know the blue line as well? If the price is right, yeah, but I think I, I like the idea of adding a defenseman. It's something that I talked about uh, before the Anders Lee injury, but I think since Lee got hurt, adding that top six forward becomes priority one, and adding a defenseman becomes, if you still have cap room and still have the ability to do it, you do that afterwards. Yeah. I know from other things that, you know, just, just going on that edge and, uh, Paul Kreischer, our, uh, our buddy from Al's talk is, is, is always mentioned him. And I've been watching a couple of games in Detroit. I like this kid, John Merrill, to be, be a, a good size and a fit as your potential six, seven, somebody to, to replace maybe a Scott Mayfield if he's having trouble. But, um, yeah, it seems like it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, every time we're on the air, we say it's going to be an interesting week for the Islanders and, you know, with, with the six it games, com- you know, it is, but, but coming up, you know, you got six games at home and at the end of that six game is the trade deadline. So the next two weeks are going to be quite, uh, the litmus test and, and, and possibly could determine, you know, if this team could have a, a division championship in their hand, potentially in their hands for the first time in over three decades. Yeah, and that would be a great accomplishment. Although one thing we did learn from the Islanders dynasty teams, you don't need to win the division necessarily or win the president's trophy. It's getting hot in the playoffs that matters the most. But after all this time, it would be very sweet to actually lift the division crown. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, John and I haven't, you, you, John and I haven't seen it since our, uh, since our twenties and it would be nice. No, no, I know I'm aging ourselves, but you know, but it's true. It's been that long. So, you know, we hope, uh, we hope good things happen. So listen, Gil, uh, while we got you on the air, why don't you, uh, promote your show as well? Uh, it's a great job that you do covering the Islanders on a daily basis. And, uh, why don't you let everybody know about it? Well, thanks. Uh, it's the Locked On Islanders podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts and, uh, Monday through Friday, there's a new episode uh, that drops, and we cover the team from top to bottom. Uh, I'll discuss both what's going on now, a little bit of history, a little bit of what's happening in Bridgeport, but really try to get some nuts and bolts, in-depth analysis of the Islanders every weekday, and uh, just keep you up to date on everything that's going on. Absolutely, and I've been a, a contributor to the show, and I've been honored to be to do so. Listen, Gil, we really... Uh, Appreciate your few moments with us. Uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday, and we yeah. will definitely be catching you along the road. All right. Well, thank you very much, and wishing you guys a happy Easter in advance. And uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to come on. Sounds great. Thanks again. All right, Gil. You take care. And again, that was Gil Martin from the Locked On Islanders podcast. Uh, some very good insights, and you know, like as we said, you know, we're two weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, some interesting things, you know, speculations, if you will, for what the Islanders can do. Um, you know, as we were talking while the interview was going, uh, fl- the Florida Panthers suffered a major injury issue. Their top defenseman, Aaron Ekblad, uh, collided in the, in the boards with one of the Dallas Stars players and they said really ripped his ankle bad. They put him in an air cast and, and, uh, 
and stretch it off, and you don't like to see that, but he was definitely uh, probably one of the main uh, potential candidates for the Norris Trophy this year, and, and a tribute to the great success that Florida's had in the Central Division this year. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's it's and it's just that's you know it's looking at Lee's injury, just the fluky stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, when you first looked at it, you're like, ah, you know, he just probably twists a little bit, he'll be okay. But you know, it's it's amazing what the what the body can can handle and can't handle. But you know, this is the, again, as these things happen, you know, as we said, two weeks of the trade deadline, it's going to make. Uh, it's going to make the talk interesting now. Does Florida go into the conversation looking for, as we were talking about, looking for a defenseman that might be available? Uh, you know, I hear Eric Carlson might be on the block. Wow. You know, and that's, a, that's you know, because he's been a complete disaster in San Jose. So, you know, that could be, you know, a possibility. There's guys in Detroit, you know, now that Dallas could be possibly, you know, the way they're playing on the outside looking in, there are guys available there. You know, you know. Obviously, we know the the Devils are a possible target um, in the Canadian division. You know, Ottawa definitely is out. I don't really think there's anybody there. They're going to be looking to, you know, possibly spice up. Vancouver and Calgary could be possible uh, destinations, and we know LA's already made a deal to get Brendan Lemieux. But they're not. They're truthfully not far out of the playoff spot. They're they're five points out, six points out with three games in hand. So I mean. They, they're still, they're still, there's still a chance for them. And uh, to me, LA surprises me because they are, they are, so have so much young talent on that team, and it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be really interesting to watch the next couple of years. Just to get them. toughness, why they they traded? It's potentially that they, they are a very light team, size wise and uh, physicality wise. That's that's very well possible. And you know what, Brendan Lemieux fits a role if he play, he plays like his dad. The only thing he doesn't do is score as many goals as his dad did. Right. But then again, nobody does what they did in the 90s anyway. So, But uh, we got one hour in the books, John. One hour done. Uh, when we come back, Tim Boyle from the Rising Apple uh, fan-sided group uh, covering the New York Metropolitans will be joining us. And we'll get a little preview and find out uh, if he's been uh, scoping any restaurants in the uh, in the eastern Florida area, you know, over the last couple of days, you know. Mm. Mm, we'll leave that up. We'll leave that up to him to uh, talk about that again at nine thirty. We'll take your calls uh, to talk anything New York sports related. Of course, Islanders. We love to talk, but we'll talk Mets. We'll talk Yankees. We'll talk anything. We'll we'll even talk women's hockey if you want. Yeah. We could do we could do just about anything. Uh, the number to reach us here at the studio is area code five one six six two three twelve forty. Again, five one six. 623-1240, one hour in the books on WGBB Sports Talk. Gary and John here with you. We'll be back after commercials for hour number two. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.